and hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and thank you so very much for tuning in to one of our very special Thursday shows. Love our Thursday shows every week. Love our in-studio audience, our great patriots and good friends. And I also love that Thursday is dedicated to one interview for a full hour and a more in-depth interview uh, with someone who's really of consequence uh, and an influential thinker in, in America and in the world. Today we have joining us Trevor Loudon. He's in studio, which is always fun. And Trevor Loudon is known really internationally and, and certainly throughout America as a person who will just research and dig in and dive in and keep track of and connect dots between the various movements in the world that are pushing communism, the Chinese Communist Party, the communist ideology, various other splinter groups within America, all dedicated to communism and ferret out the impact those groups have uh, within American society, politics, culture, and uh, he's an author of several books. We're going to be talking about two of his books today in particular. He wrote, wrote recently uh, about, uh, in fact, I'm going to just show you right now. He wrote Security Risk Senators Part 1 and 2. And uh, they basically are talking about the connections between currently elected members of the United States Senate and communism, CCP, the communist ideology. Second one, part two, looks just like it, a little bit different coloring. Uh, and they basically divide up the states and give you amazing detailed background about the communist connections of people serving in our United States Senate. So please help me welcome to the show, Trevor Loudon. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I could have given a much longer introduction, but I don't want to take up too much of his time. But I will tell you, in addition to being an author and a, a fabulous researcher and a public speaker, he's also a filmmaker. And he's made films that we've talked about in my show. In fact, I think you were on our show talking about uh, enemies within the church. We did an interview at that point. But he does also documentary films. And they are just extremely um, consequential. They are uh, well-researched, very substantive, um, and it makes him really popular with audiences who want to really understand uh, the influence of communism in America. So I'm going to start with our, I cannot say the P word, so I'm going to say he who occupies the White House, or I'll call me the White House okay. occupier. I, I think I know who you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I mean? Okay, good. Because anyway, uh, what are the connections? Uh, just to start with the, the leader of America, allegedly, uh, Joe Biden, what are his, if you would tell our audience, the connections between Joe Biden and historically his connections with um, communism overall? Yeah, well, see, Joe Biden was sold as a moderate. But if you look back in the 80s, while Reagan was trying to fight communism in Latin America and, and standing up to the Soviet Union, Joe Biden was going to the Soviet Union. He was standing against Reagan when Reagan was trying to stop communism. It was Ted Kennedy who was actually working with the Soviets, and John Kerry and Joe Biden were the worst three in the Senate opposing Reagan. But back in 1972, he was elected as a 29-year-old city councillor to the US Senate in a Republican state because he was backed by an organization called the Council for a Livable World. Now, this was um, the man who recruited him was a man called Albert Gore Sr. Some, some of you may have wow. heard of his son, who, the guy who invented the internet and global warming. You know that, that one? Well, anyway, Albert Gore Sr. was a very corrupt senator from Tennessee. He was the president of the Council for a Livable World, and he was a protege of a man called Armand Hammer. 
a very wealthy businessman and the preeminent Soviet agent in America in the early 20th century. So there's a, a direct Soviet connection there. But the Council for a Livable World was actually founded by Leo Szilard, a Hungarian communist who fled to the United States. He set up this Council for a Livable World as a PAC to recruit senators who would run in the U get into the U.S. Senate, then vote to gut the U.S. military. That was the mission, and it was revealed in uh, 1994 by Pavel Platov, a former top-ranking Soviet intelligence officer, that Leo Szilard was a fully recruited Soviet agent. So Joe Biden was put in Congress by an organization set up by a Soviet agent whose job was to recruit senators to destroy the United States military. Now, you look at what Biden's doing to our military now. Destroying it. Destroying it. You know, with his vaccine mandates, his political correctness, he wants to cut nuclear ship numbers. He wants to cut Navy ship numbers. He wants to cut nuclear weapons numbers. Right when Russia and China are very aggressive, he wants to downgrade. And he's appointed five leaders of the Council for a Livable World to positions in the State Department, the um, National Security Agency, the Department of Defense, all to do with further disarmament. And by the way, it was him, it was the Council for a Livable World that worked with Biden and Obama to pass the START Treaty with Russia that was so good for Putin and so disastrous for America that President Trump had to unilaterally cancel it. This is the man in the White House. He has worked in the interests of Russia and Iran and China his entire political career. You know, I've done this quick summary of my show before about Joe Biden just saying, if you don't know, the odds of anyone serving in a city council position and the next race he ran for was United States Senate, unheard of before then or since then. It, and it's only because of the yeah. money thrown into him through his way. Through the council, council for a livable world. world. Look, the man, this was a, a Republican state. The senator had an 80% approval rating and... and they had never elected a Democrat statewide in Delaware at that point. And he was the big upset of 1972 through the backing of an organization basically run by agents of the Soviet Union to destroy the United States military. That is an astonishing story. And I still today, even though you've put it out there, you've written about it before, you've spoken about it, I don't even know if 1% of America realizes that that is who this man is, he who occupies the White House. But let's turn to Kamala Harris. So at least, you know, she's probably a straight shooter. No, on a serious note, Kamala Harris, what are her connections to communism? She, she's a red diaper baby, meaning she was brought up by... Red diaper? Red diaper. diaper. In New Zealand, we would say red nappy, right? But red okay. diaper baby. She was brought up... She, her parents were both Marxists. They were involved in various uh, Maoist groups in Berkeley. The, her mother was from India, her father was from Jamaica. He's a Marxist economist. And um, they were part of the group that, that went on to, to found the Black Panther Party. You know, the, the Maoist pro-Chinese Black Nationalist Black Panther Party was formed out of the group that Kamala Harris's parents were part of. She was, she, but her real connection is she's connected deeply to a man called Stephen Phillips, 
Now, Stephen Phillips is a very wealthy lawyer in San Francisco. He was a young Marxist, Maoist radical at Stanford University in the 80s, involved with the League of Revolutionary Struggle. But he married into the Sandler family of San Francisco, the, the Golden West savings and loan fortune, $2 billion fortune. He married into that fortune and he started using their money to, to set up things like the Center for American Progress, ProPublica, and the Democracy Alliance, which is the, the alliance of multi-millionaire leftists, George Soros, Tom Steyer, Norman Lear, etc., that has thrown b billions of dollars into the left in this country over the last few <coughs> years. Steve Phillips, he knew the Harris family personally, he got Kamala Harris elected to the um, DA position in San Francisco, mm -hmm. got, elected to got her elected to Attorney General in uh, California, then he got her into the White House. The original thing was she was supposed to be the candidate, but she was so disastrous and flamed out, they had to use Joe Biden to beat Bernie Sanders so that Joe Biden could get her in through the back door. But she was... She is the, the protege of a Maoist clique that gave us Barack Obama, that gave us Stacey Abrams, that gave us crybaby Cory Booker from New Jersey, <laughs> and Andrew Gillum, who almost became the governor of, New, of Florida. Florida, he sure did. They're all out of the same group. They are, uh, she comes from a Maoist background. She's also very close to Elysia Gaza, the Maoist who set up Black Lives Matter. That's a Chinese operation, and she was intimately connected to that. That is the next topic I wanted to go to. Um, as we were talking about earlier, uh, we have, as always, more topics than time. There's so much to be, under, to be understood here. I do want to get into Black Lives Matter briefly. I've quoted you on my show in the past talking about them, but for most Americans, the organization Black Lives Matter emerged after the death of George Floyd in Minnesota and the deep concern that the police uh, were, they were brutal toward him. But Black Lives Matter appeared to be an organic uprising by people who were uh, tired of being repressed and mistreated uh, by police in our country. And it led to the riots that we all watched happen in 2020 and, and a lot of destruction. But you were the one that pointed out that the Black Lives Matter organization, and I believe also Antifa, are funded, or you can trace back their funding to the CCP, or the Chinese Communists. Can you explain well, that? Well, what it is, is um, Black Lives Matter was started by Alicia Garza, um, Patrice Kalur's Opal Tometi. They are all connected to Liberation Road, which is a pro-Chinese communist organization. And they got funding and direction and help from a group called the Chinese Progressive Association of San Francisco, which is their pro-communist China community organizing group that runs Chinatown. And so they were funding them, giving them direction, and they are intimately connected to the Chinese consulate in San Francisco. Alex Tom, who ran the Chinese Progressive Association, is Elisa Garza's best friend. He gave money to her. They wrote the manual for Black Lives Matter. And I have him on tape boasting about his deep ties to the Chinese consulate and how he runs his messaging past the Chinese before he does anything. When Ferguson erupted in 2014, people from the Chinese 
Progressive Association were in China at the time, flew from China to Ferguson, Missouri to participate in the riots there. This is a Chinese operation. Meanwhile, the, the stuff that started in Minnesota is run by another pro-Chinese group called the Freedom Road Socialist Organization. And I have them on tape boasting about how they started the rioting, the joy they felt when Precinct 3 was burnt to the ground, and that the violence, the arson, and the looting was an integral part of the movement. I have them on tape saying this. So two pro-Chinese communist parties burnt cities all over America. Absolutely caused huge amounts of damage, and 99% of Americans have no idea of the Chinese connection. They absolutely do not. And that's part I want to commend you just for the depth of your research, determination, connecting all the dots so you don't at any point seem to be just making vague allusions to the communist effort, but you really research and connect those dots. And I'm going to make this point once in the show, and then I won't do it again the rest of the hour, and that is, yes, there are many people who, there are people orchestrating at the high level who want to bring communism to America. They're affiliated with Chinese Communist Party, CCP, the organizations you mentioned in America, uh, along with other organizations, and they have a mission, and they really, it is a long-term mission about essentially taking down America and turning America communist or spreading communism. Mm -hmm. It's also true that there are legions of people who get drawn in to, for example, Black Lives Matter, other organizations, when the only thing that's really motivating them is that they are upset about this in some incident that occurred that may have been wrong, and they're drawn in, and they're part of Black Lives Matter or other groups like that, but they're not really part of the, of yeah. the communist mission, meaning they are Lenin's useful idiots. Yeah. Well, look, Lenin took over Russia with 2,000 people. You know, 2,000 people in a country of 140 million people at the time. We saw the Women's March in Washington in 2017. A million women wearing pink hats marching on Washington against Trump. Well, I'd say 95% of those women weren't communists, but all the leadership of the march were. You know, they know how to bring large numbers of people. They find a cause that they can raise some emotion over. And then they mobilize people. Most of the people in the movement have no idea what they're part of. But the leaders are all communists. They're working for the Communist Party of China. They're working for the Communist Party of Cuba or local communist groups. And you think about this, you know, if you were Xi Jinping and you wanted to be the top dog in the world, you wanted to bring America down, would you want to risk a multi-billion dollar trade war? Would you want to risk a multi-billion trillion dollar shooting war before you were ready? Or would you rather spend a few billion dollars, a couple of billion dollars, funding border, border activists to encourage people across the border to fund voter registration organizations in key states and buy up senators and congressmen? What would you rather do? What would you do if you were Xi Jinping? What is the safest and most cost-effective way of bringing your rival to its knees. Yeah, it is actually, it's a great segue to your books, the point you just made, and I told you earlier how much I appreciated it. In the introduction to this first book, which is Security Risk Senators, uh, 15 Subversive Lawmakers Exposed from Arizona to Massachusetts, the first one, great point in your introduction is 
when people broadly say, oh, you know, she's a communist, he's a communist, it can seem like kind of a, a slogan slinging or a label slinging. And, and so, which is why I love your book so much, because you dig in and expose their past life, what they did, who they're affiliated with. But you make the point in the very beginning, if people doubt that there is an actual effort to bring America to its knees, to destroy capitalism, to spread communism, put yourself in the shoes of Xi Jinping or, you know, the other person we'll talk about in a few minutes is uh, Putin of Russia. It's exactly what you would do. You wouldn't, ex you wouldn't plan on having a, a massive air war and a dropping of bombs or some other uh, potentially ineffective. You would invade society ideologically and with, um, I, I wrote down the acronym you told me earlier, the four ways you can turn people. The acronym is MICE, M-I-C-E, MICE, money, ideology, compromise and ego. So we'll get back to that. So in your book, you trace through, and I, the reason I want to do this today is you hear many people, before I even get to that, you hear many people in America saying, we're at war, America's at war. And they can mean it because they're upset about things happening in school districts or a whole variety of other things. But people say, well, we're heading toward war or, or this feels like a war. And given the communist, it's Xi Jinping, communist agenda, we're going to take down America. Are we currently in a war right now? Absolutely. Um, you know, the COVID was, was a, a, a war, an act of war. The COVID was, was deliberately pushed on America. You know, the Chinese banned internal tra air travel at the time, but mm -hmm. they promoted travel to the West. And then they managed the, uh, the response to the COVID. You'll find most of the areas that had the harshest lockdowns are the ones where the Chinese have most influence. California, Oregon, um, New York, Illinois, North Carolina. And then they use their unions, which are controlled by communists in this country, to keep the lockdowns going as hard as they could, to keep the schools going out closed as long as they could. So that was one aspect of it. But fentanyl, you know, 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 kids a year dying of fentanyl. That's a deliberate Chinese chemical attack on this country. And they are, they are just intercepting huge amounts of fentanyl coming across the border now, enough to kill everybody in America many times over. There's nothing that comes out of China that the Chinese government doesn't know about. They know what they're doing with their fentanyl. And that's 70 or 80,000 young, young American kids who are never going to wear an American military uniform to defend this country now. Does the Biden administration's refusal to enforce the border, is it part of their capitulation to China or part of their sympathy to communism? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the open borders movement was started in the 60s in California by, a, by a, a, a Communist Party member named Bert Corona. He started the whole movement, the open borders movement. And the open... Look, look, if you read the communists, see, the reason I know this is I read their literature. They boast about this stuff. The same communist organization that gave us Black Lives Matter, Liberation Road, is working with the current Mexican ruling political party to try and get as many people across the border as possible. They see the, the, the border as the means for implementing the American Revolution because it's going to cause so much instability and give um, the Democratic Party millions of more voters that we, that we can never overcome. This is their number one thing. 
And here's, a, here's something that might horrify people. The president of Mexico, Mr. AMLO, is a former uh, obrador, they call him AMLO, is a former member of the Mexican Communist Party, deeply tied, deeply tied to both Cuba and China. And I was told by a Marina activist, his political party is called Marina. I was told a couple of years ago by a political part, an activist in that party that, that he is going to go full on Venezuela in Mexico. He is going to crash the Mexican economy. Now, when Venezuela went socialist, they had 30 million people, drove 6 million people out of the country because they couldn't afford to live there. Well, Mexico's got 130 million people. What, what are, where, where are 20% of 130 million people going to go if AMLO succeeds in crashing the Mexican economy? How many of those are going to come straight across the border? We haven't seen nothing yet. And this is a Chinese communist program operated by pro-Chinese communists on this side of the border in conjunction with pro-Chinese communists on the Mexican side of the border, plus in Guatemala, plus in Honduras, plus in Colombia, um, to basically flood this country, to just collapse this country through mass uncontrolled illegal immigration. This is what collapsed the Roman Empire. Mass uncontrolled illegal immigration. Well, they're doing, they, learned, they learned a lesson 2,000 years ago, and they're doing it all over again. You know, in America, I will tell you that people, they mentioned earlier, people say we're at war. They are watching things that they can't believe are really happening. And, and we had, you know, the episode of COVID that caused parents, because they had to homeschool, to begin to realize what the kids are being taught in school. So it's this communist mission of invasion of America. They parents came to realize had invaded the schools, invaded the academia. So we all know about how colleges are, are very far left, the professors are. But it had already invaded even lower school, middle school, I mean, the, the children. Kindergarten. Kindergarten, yeah. And so you have this communist invasion academically. academically we're going to get to politically in just a minute here. Um, and, and what they're doing at the border. So just to be clear, the mission of the Chinese Communist Party, and, and maybe the Russians who don't call themselves communists anymore, but they, they have the same, I mean, Putin is an ex-KGB communist. What is really their mission? What's China's mission? Their mission, China's mission is to collapse America to the point where America can be invaded and our population can be replaced by the excess Chinese population. They, the American population be replaced by Chinese population. By the Chinese. They write about this Two Chinese colonels wrote about this in a book in, about 20 years ago called Unrestricted Warfare. Yep. Our goal for the survival of our nation, we must occupy America. It is unfortunate that we should have to eliminate the population of America. America has been very good for, to us, but in the interest of our survival, this is our only course of action. Regretful, but that's what we have to do. So they have been using, ever since that time, they've been using biological weaponry, they've been using chemical warfare, they've brought up um, control of, largely control of big tech, they control most of Wall Street, they control a lot of Hollywood, they're deeply embedded in our education system. And so they are, they are just rotting this country from the inside. And Americans are very nice people, they're very, benevolent people and the biggest problem most Americans have 
is facing. No, they couldn't really mean that. That's right. evil. That's evil. Well, we've got to remember the Jews thought that about Hitler. No, no, Hitler doesn't really mean that. No, he wrote about that in Mein Kampf about eliminating the Jews, but no, that was just publicity. That was just to get elected. He won't really do that to us. We are, we are living, because Americans are so nice and they've lived in such a free and prosperous country, they have a real problem comprehending evil that somebody would try, actually try and destroy this country. But the evidence is all around us. The fentanyl alone should be enough evidence that their intentions are malevolent. You know? Yes, I do. Trevor Loudon, you really hit the nail on the head as something I think is so important. Um, and to quickly rephrase it, the idea that most Americans, we are trusting, for most of American history, we've been in the ballpark of feeling like we're a pretty safe country, we have a government we trust, more or less. We have, we have people we assume that the government follows the law and, and supports the Constitution, and, and we can't see beyond that kind of expectation of the world. We can't imagine that there be a country in this era with nuclear weapons available that a country like China would actually think they can take down America. But that's what you're saying, that they, they intend to take down America over time using the methods we've been talking about. Um, and I, I think for many people that is, that is uh, revolutionary news, news that yeah. we don't really see. We might think China kind of cheats on trade deals or they steal our intellectual property and we got to stop them from that. But to see China as the imminent threat you're describing, I don't even know if it's 1% of America. No, well, that. they don't. But, you know, look... We lost more people to fentanyl last year than we lost the entire Vietnam War. Oh that is war. That is, that is war. Yep. They know what they are doing. And we still, they steal our technology. They, they corrupt our politicians. They indoctrinate our kids through their TikTok and the control of big tech. They are keeping our borders wide open. They are just robbing, they're buying up our farmland, they're buying up our utilities, and the good news is we can buy cheap junk in Walmart. Yeah. That's what we get for that. Absolutely. That used to be made by American workers way better. Yep. Um, I'll quickly say for our radio listeners, if you're listening on Bridie on Radio, first of all, thank you for carrying this show. Thank you to Bridie on Radio. You will at the bottom of the hour, 30 minutes past the hour, you go off to a three-minute break. We'll be right here when you come back. Do not go away. Do not turn that dial, as I used to say. Come back. We'll be right here talking. Later, to listen to the whole show, you can go to americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, and on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. You can read everything we were talking about. And you can go back and listen to every past show, every interview, everything's there. So just you miss three little minutes, but do come and check it out later and don't go away. So back to what we were, are talking about. So you're describing what China's doing. And I, I, think, I think there's a growing sense in America that something's really wrong, that we're, our country's very divided. There's a, it seems evil seems to be uh, poking its head up everywhere. But what you're describing, so you have the stuff at the border you have, and fentanyl deaths. Uh, we know what happens with, with China trade deals. But the other thing you alluded to I want to turn to now is what you captured in these books. Again, the one, two we're going to talk about are called, it's called Security Risk Senators, Part 1, Arizona to Massachusetts. And in particular, when you talk about the danger to America, we Americans think, well, maybe China could be that bad. 
but we have a government here. We have a strong military. We have elected officials, and they're on our side. They're on America's side, not China's. And the example you gave a moment ago uh, when we started the show, actually, uh, about um, the White House occupier, the Oval Office occupier, is very tied to the uh, to communism, has communist roots, tied to the Russian uh, effort to get him elected as long as he would weaken America's military, which he voted to do over and over. But let's just turn to who you, uh, you picked. Uh, you have senators listed. This first book uh, is Arizona through, um, what did I say, Massachusetts. Um, and I can't go to all of them. I decided to pick on one. I told you earlier, I'm going to just do two different people we're going to quickly talk about. One is Kristen Sinema. She is the uh, Democrat senator from Arizona. She, is, she looks like a really nice person. She kind of acts like a nice person. She actually helped out the conservative side on a few votes recently. So Kristen Sinema, Democrat, representing the state of Arizona in the U.S. Senate. How is she connected to communism? Well, I'll just say before, you know, a couple of years ago, Ratcliffe, Trump's intelligence advisor, said that the Chinese had compromised so many American politicians, they can determine which legislation now passes our Congress and which doesn't. That should have been front page news all across the nation. Ratcliffe said the Chinese determine what passes our Congress. Yeah. Wow. That's, he that. said that a couple of years ago. Kirsten Sinema started out as a true believer communist. Like a lot of the people that are profiled in this book have got inveigled with the Chinese through business deals. They may not have been communists, but they, were, they got compromised. They got hooked up. They got drawn in like the mafia draws in people or an organized crime group draws in people. They blackmail you. They, they get you on the hook for something illegal. But she was a true believer communist. Um, the Communist Party is very strong in Arizona because that's a center of illegal immigration. So they put a big Communist Party in there to fight people like Joe Arpaio. They got Joe Arpaio de-elected. You know, yeah. because he was clamping down on legal immigration. They made sure that the Arizona legislature couldn't enact the laws to stop the illegals coming through. And so Kirsten Sinema was very much part of that. Every year, the Communist Party used to publish a May Day supplement in their publication, People's World. And, um, and only communists can sign this. You sign it, you know, you'll pledge 50 bucks to the Communist Party Fred Smith of the Phoenix Communist Party, Joe Jones of the Tucson Communist Party. Kirsten Sinema signed that in 2002 and 2003. She then went on to work very closely with a whole bunch of communists, Communist Party members in Phoenix. She was elected to the legislature. Well, she was a real hardcore radical at the time. She was anti-Israel. She was working with these hardcore peace groups, etc. She gets elected. She was one of the most left-wing members of the, Calif of the Arizona legislature. The communists were still working in her elections. She had a Communist Party member named Patrick Morales on her staff in the 2014 election. The whole party was working for her in her elections. Right up till 2018, they were still working to get her elected. They put her in the U.S. Senate. Um, she then became very, very close to a woman called Regina Romero, who is the mayor of Tucson. She has a deep background in the Communist Party. She, she has spoken at the Communist Party training school 
in, in Tucson. She has worked for the Cesar Chavez holiday campaign, which was set up by the California Communist Party leader, Evelina Alarcon. It's a communist movement. So and now Kirsten Cinema, the best friend of Republicans, Mitch McConnell's best friend, is out there working with the very weak Republican Tom Tillis of North Carolina to promote darker amnesty. Yeah. Amnesty for all the darker, the, the, the children of illegal immigrants born in this country. Well, that is a communist program. Darker is being pushed by the communists to bring millions more Democrats into the country, and she's promoting it. Now, she's got more chance of getting it through posing as a conservative or a moderate than she ever had when she was a hardcore leftist in the mold of AOC. She was worse than AOC in her younger days. So she's like Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was a communist who pretended to be a moderate to get elected. That's what Kirsten Sinema is doing. You know, it's an astonishing thing. People who are even, if you're active enough, uh, patriotic enough to be involved, to care about politics, to follow candidates, to decide who you like in a primary. None of the people in this book, I mean, I haven't read every piece of campaign literature, but I don't remember any of these people who are in the United States Senate now with similar connections as you're describing about Kristen Cinema, who said on their campaign literature, on their website, in their speeches, by the way, I'm a communist. That's no, true. no acknowledgement. I truly think, I, I mean, I find it astonishing that, that their competitors, the Republican running against them, even their primary challengers, why all this didn't come out more? Well, the, the Republicans are so terrified of being called McCarthyists yes. that they, that, look, if you have a hammer and sickle tattooed on your forehead, they won't call you a communist. Trump yeah. was the first one to break that mold. Trump made it okay to say communist again. I don't use the word lightly. You know, when I, you don't come from a foreign country and tell people that 40 of their senators are working for their enemies if you don't have some evidence to back it up. I wouldn't last very long. And I've been doing this for a dozen years over here now. And I've, I've called out hundreds of these people and not one of them's ever sued me, not one, not one of them's ever challenged me because I spend my time in libraries. I interview former KGB officers and FBI agents. I go, I spend all this time in deep archives down the bottom of the Los Angeles Public Library, whatever, to dig this stuff up. It's there if you want to find it. Well, that's what's the most amazing thing about your research. Uh, and in these books and your previous book, Reds in the White House, what was it? White House Reds. White House Reds, yeah. I have that one. You know, we moved last year and I can't find all my books yet, but I have your book, I have that one too. But anyway, you know, you dig up so much, such great information and you're thinking the American public would, I mean, even d many Democrat voters would not want this. They would not think that's what they're voting for. And yet yeah. these people have all these connections. Uh, we could talk more about uh, Kristen Cinema, but you know, the idea that her, the level and depth of her connections directly to communism, and she's kind of viewed as a pretty moderate Democrat, yet she's pushing the communist agenda. Yeah. Okay, Let's, and the other one I was going to hit on was Raphael Warnock. Yeah, and so Georgia, yeah. Yeah, from Georgia. He was the one who, okay, dubious if he really won, but anyway, he is in the United States Senate. Uh, he's a black pastor and um, is a, uh, you know, a apparently very popular politician in Georgia. 
his connections to, to uh, communism? Well, they're very extensive, and people need to get off the idea that you can be a man of uh, a clergyman and not be a communist. The Communist Party USA has many pastors on its rolls. They've got a, two. The, the Houston Club of the Communist Party has two pastors in the, as members of their club, just their club. So, but Raphael Warnock, he comes out of Black Liberation theology, and that is that is the. Marx, that is Marxism with a Christian veneer. And so he had two mentors. He had uh, a guy called Calvin Butts, who was with the Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem, very famous church. And that's where, that's where Warnock learned his trade. You know, he, he was the youth pastor, then he worked through that church. Well, Calvin Butts, the, the night that Martin Luther King died, Calvin Butts was a young student radical in Atlanta, Georgia. He went out with his friends and got their stock of Molotov cocktails, which they already had made, and they went out and burned down a church and several businesses, and they dragged white motorists out of their cars and beat them up. That's Calvin Butts. He is heavily associated with the Communist Party over many years. In 1984, he went to Cuba, Oh, and he brought uh, Fidel Castro to his church at least once, maybe twice, while Warnock was there. The other main mentor was a man called James Cone. He's the father of black liberation theology in this country. He wrote the book, Marxism and the Black Church, What Do They Have to Say to Each Other? He went to Cuba in 1984 with Butts and Jesse Jackson and a man called Jeremiah Wright. Remember Ooh, Jeremiah Jim Wright, is, yes. Obama's pastor, K death to KKK America. And they had meetings with Fidel Castro and Soviet and Cuban church organizations. And they, they brought black liberation theology back into America effectively. That's where Warnock comes from. He went to Georgia. He uh, was very heavily involved with Maoist networks in Georgia. He hooked up with um, Democratic Socialists of America, also worked very closely with Stacey Abrams, who's part of the same Maoist network that gave us Barack Obama and um, Kamala Harris. So she's part of the Steve Phillips network. And um, th they joined up with the former leader of New York, ACORN. Remember ACORN? I do. To set up the New Georgia Project, which then started registering hundreds of thousands of black and Latino voters in Georgia. And you know the record of ACORN with vote fraud, and you know the regular accusations of vote fraud against Stacey Abrams' operation. So he was part of that. And he was also very hooked up with the moral majority movement of, um, just forgotten the guy's name, out of North Carolina, which is shot full of former members of the Communist Workers' Party and Line of March, pro-Chinese organizations. And when Warnock got elected and Ossov got elected, one of the first things they did was to recommend one of their very close friends, a man called um, uh, Mr. Brown. I've forgotten his first name. They got Joe Biden to nominate this Mr. Brown to the head of the Environmental Protection Agency for the whole of the U.S. Southeast. This is Mississippi, the Carolinas, Georgia, um, Florida, whatever. 
That man is a card-carrying Marxist, a member of Democratic Socialists of America. That man now controls the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, for about six southern states. And he can use that power to give free enterprise a very hard time in all of those states. So that's, that's, that's uh, Warnock. He has worked with Marxists his entire career. When he was in the church, the Abyssinian Baptist Church, I have a photograph of him with the communist actor Ozzie Davis. And he said, here am I with Ozzie Davis and my church comrades. So I'm sure people here go to church. Do you call the people you go to church with comrades? <laughs> is that your normal appellation? So the man is a Marxist. He is a 100% full-on ideological black liberation theology Marxist. Okay, we could, you know, spend hours go over all these senators, uh, and the, I want to commend, commend your research, footnoted, explaining who they are. It's just, it's not in, at all speculation. But I do want to kind of turn, so, so you're an average American citizen, and you know, I mean, everyone in this room knows, most Americans know, we really don't want to be communists. That, you know, we used to understand, for decades, we used to understand we have the free world, where we in the Western Hemisphere believe in freedom, we have communism, and it's evil. Part of what's occurred is communism, maybe first socialism as a friendly advocacy for sharing more, and Marxism, they've gotten, it's gotten more footing in American political conversation, more acceptability, even communism um, has. And so I want to hit the movements and the mice thing. On the movements part, on the issues that we look at that just kind of, they, they dominate uh, the news in America, uh, we have concern about the borders, that's tied to communism. We have the LGBTQ uh, just radical agenda in this country, it seemed to burst out of nowhere. Is that tied to communism? Look, the man who started the gay rights movement in America with the Mattachine Society back in the 50s was Harry Hay of the Los Angeles Communist Party. Um, every major gay radical group in this country, from ACT UP to the Gay Liberation Front, have all been led by Marxists. Everyone, without exception. In 1975, a bunch of Marxist sociologists took over the leadership of the American Psychological Association and changed the definition of homosexuality from a mental illness to normal behaviour. So, yes, the LGBTQ movement that we see today, that's, that doesn't remind you of Soviet tanks rolling down Red Square, but I can tell you it is a Marxist movement. It's nothing to do with the rights of homosexuals. It's all about creating division in families, breaking down the family structure, the social structure that maintains America to weaken America to the point of collapse so that we can be easily conquered. It's also an attack on the churches. Uh, absolutely. Well, the churches are regarded as the mainstay. The churches are the backbone of America. America is a Christian nation. The Constitution is directly inspired by the Bible. The enemies of America knew way back the first thing that you needed to get inside the churches to bring America down. The very first Communist Party front in America was the Methodist Federation for Social Action back in the mm. 1917 or so. So that's why we did our movie, Enemies Within the Church, about the, the Marxist infiltration of the churches. And that's been going on for 100 years, but now it's even in the evangelical churches. Now it's in the Bible colleges. Yeah. We've all heard the phrase, woke church. Wokeism is Marxism. 
you know, wokeism is you are awake to issues of social injustice. You're awake to issues of racial prejudice and white privilege. And these are all Marxist concepts. You go to a woke church, you go into a Marxist church. Let's talk about energy because that's one that has been just, just the entire energy industry turned on its head in the last two years from this Oval Office occupier. Because at the end of the Trump one first term, uh, we were energy independent. We were energy was just a, a was inexpensive. We were energy independent. We were exporting, and now we are here, uh, not even two years later, and we are um, well. We're really, we have high energy prices. We have we have all sorts of problems with energy. You were telling me the story earlier, and I want to go back and have you um, tell about the person who was put in the position um, of in our energy department, uh, Deb Holland. Is that the right name? Deb Holland, H-A-A-L-A-N-D. A-A-L-A-N-D, okay. She was a former just member of Congress. She was uh, elected from New Mexico, and she became, she got put in charge of our energy policy. Tell us about her background. Well, Deb Holland is, uh, she was a second term Congresswoman from New Mexico, and nobody had ever heard of. She's a Native American. Now she's Secretary of the U.S. Interior. She has control over 20% of the land mass of this country and all of the energy extraction on public land, and she is shutting down every single lease she can. See, this, this is where it comes from. What was, the first thing that about, what was the first thing that Biden did when he took office? Remember, he shut that pipeline down? He did, shut, yeah. Because Native Americans had been protesting on the Dakotas, right? Because it was going through tribal land. Well, the woman organizing those protests and training the protesters was Judith LeBlanc, a Native American of the Native American Organizers Alliance but also a member of the Central Committee of the Communist Party USA, which supports not just communist China, but also Putin's Russia. So then Judith LeBlanc was allowed to, then she did mass voter registration drives on Native American reservations in Montana, New Mexico, Minnesota, and I believe Arizona, and yeah. To get, the, to get the votes in those states for Biden-Harris. She was then allowed to nominate her very good friend, Deb Haaland, for US Secretary of the Interior. And nobody had heard of Deb Haaland, okay? So they mounted a campaign, Deb for Interior. They had buses, they had badges, they had banners. They had celebrity endorsements, Mark Rafalo, Melissa Alano, Sarah Silverman, Cher, Hanoi Jane Fonda, Gloria Steinem. You can look it up online, all these Deb for Interior. So Biden eventually nominates her and four Republican senators voted to confirm her. This woman is a Marxist. I have photographs of her holding the signs of the Party for Socialism and Liberation, a group that supports North Korea. In New Mexico, she is now Secretary of the Interior, put in place by a leading member of the Communist Party USA, which, as I said, supports both Putin's Russia and China. And she's shutting down every energy lease she can when we need the energy to combat Putin, to, to lower prices for our own people, to supply our European allies. We can't. We have to buy energy from Venezuela and Iran, which are both Russia's allies. This is what's going on here. 
It's the most astonishing thing. On that note, energy is always one of the issues where I think people get a little bit afraid of stepping out and, and speaking too firmly because they don't think they're experts on climate change. They think maybe if the climate changing is really real, we better do this. And so I think it's it's an issue for the left to push because the average person doesn't feel sure enough yeah. of themselves to challenge. But the climate agenda is itself part of the, or is being used in America to push communism. Look, right? absolutely. Look I believe in climate change. It's called um, summer, winter, yeah. <laughs> fall, and spring. And it's yeah. been going on for a very long time. But man-made climate change is a hoax. Now, you look at groups like the National Resources Defence Council, which is one of the main groups pushing the climate change agenda, shutting down fracking, shutting down oil drilling in Alaska off the California coast, has huge numbers of congressmen on their payroll, massive budget, and they have been identified as taking money from a, an entity in San Francisco where it's getting money directly from Putin's Russia. They are also working closely with the Communist Party of China. So Putin is funding this Seabreeze Foundation in, in San Francisco, which then funds the National Resource Defense Council, which is then shutting down our energy extraction in this country. Well, because Putin wants high energy prices because he can make money. So, so he's all but also been working in Europe to shut down fracking in Europe to keep the Europeans dependent on his energy. So we, we have congressmen like Jared Huffman from the head of the National, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, National Resources Committee in the, in the Congress is, has been working for years with these groups, which are funded by Moscow, working with China to shut down US energy. And we are all snowed by this because we listen to these bought off scientists who tell us there's a big problem with climate change. There's a lot of big problems in the world, but when the media tells you there's a big problem with climate change, well, you know you should be looking somewhere else. That is not a problem. The problem is Russia and China shutting down our industries, our energy, putting our people out of jobs and making us more vulnerable to military attack. Just going to say, making us more vulnerable. I mean, energy and the capacity to travel freely and not just travel, but to have your home comfortable and have the military have enough of what they need of energy. I mean, everything about energy shortage weakens America. Absolutely. And makes us more vulnerable. And, and lowers our life, the lifestyle. You know, the whole beauty of living in America is you've got mobility. You've got your own home. You can live in the country. You can be free and independent. That is all anathema to the left. They want us all in cities, all in stack and pack, eating mung beans, biking to our co-op every morning, and doing what we're darn well told for the rest of our life for our own good. We will own nothing and we will be happy. That's the communist lifestyle. So they don't want cars. They don't want energy. They don't even want meat anymore. We had great barbecue for lunch. We didn't have insects, did we? We didn't have locusts. We didn't have locusts. But seriously, these lunatics, that's their ideal world. Yeah. The communist leaders won't be eating bugs. They'll be eating filet steak. But for the rest of us, that's Absolutely. their ideal world. Yeah, I'm really glad you went over the um, energy thing because I think on, on so many issues, they seem to be so controversial now and people are so worked up about them. And you assume because Americans are asserting these things that we simply must cut back energy production and we can't be producing oil, that there must be some rational basis. And when you start to realize 
what you're talking about, the determination uh, by China, by communists around the world, by Putin, we're going to take America down. We're yeah. going to weaken them. And so we find these avenues that we Americans, we don't even see who it is who's pulling all the buttons and pulling you, all you, the strings. And we don't, we don't see any of it. We just no, see... Because no, we, we're good-hearted people and our media's not telling us. But look, look, if, if you have a Christian worldview, you believe we're living in a bounteous earth. There are infinite resources here that, can, that we can use our ingenuity to make life better. We can prosper and be free. That's the basis of Western culture, that prosperity is infinite, that we can use our God-given gifts and the bounty of the earth to make great lives and free people. Well, the communists live in a world of starvation, and if you've got more, I've got less. And so they are all about shutting us down, shutting down our mobility, destroying our wealth, destroying our individuality, because they hate free people. They do hate free people. And on the subject of the abundance provided by God, including the earth and all its abundance, we believe in the intelligence, the God-given intelligence of people to solve the problem. So if we really mm. do one day run out of whatever it is, coal, Look, there'll be three replacements we think of because we have God-given intelligence, ingenuity, and a desire to make life better for ourselves yeah. and others. Look, in 12th century England, they had a massive energy crisis because they'd cut down all the trees. They had no more wood to burn. Then they found coal. You know, and we will find more sources of energy going forward as well. The, the, it's an abundant universe. That's the universe we live in. And free people have the ingenuity to, to utilize those resources to make life better for us as individuals. That's the exact opposite of the communist paradigm. Trevor Loudon, I, I have a bunch more questions, but I do promise our audience here on our Thursday show that they have the opportunity to ask questions. There's a microphone over there. So if you want to ask a question, we are asking you to stand up, stand right in the middle and speak right in the microphone, not just so that we can hear you in the room, but they can hear you out on the, online. Um, but we do want to hear uh, questions. And obviously, I went over my prescribed time limit yet again. So try to keep your questions short so we can let hear Trevor's answer. Can, can I just say briefly too, if people want the books, Security oh. Risk Senators or Enemies Within the Church, the, you can get them through Amazon, but if you want signed copies and that sort of thing, you want to support me, go to, go to trevorloudon.com. Trevorloudon.com and Loudon is L-O-U-D-O-N. So that's, if, you, if you're in a war, you've got to know your enemy and most people don't know their enemy, unfortunately. That's what my books are for. Trevor Loudon, I apologize. I should have said that. TrevorLoudon.com right. and order these books. They are just fabulous, fact-filled, and things you can show your friends when they say, well, I think Christian cinema, Christian cinema seems nice. Okay, we have a question. Please. Hi. Uh, I was just wondering, how do you select your uh, topics, your, the people that you investigate and explore to determine their connections? Yeah, that's a very good question. Well, when you, when you know, when you've been in this for a while, you can soon get the connections. But what I did, what the first thing I did was I went to the, uh, the archives of the Communist Party USA, uh, Democratic Socialists of America and other communist groups. I went through the, the libraries, went through back issues of their publications, and I looked for the names of Democratic politicians and other politicians. I'd say, oh, here's Kirsten Sinema's name in this thing in 2002. Oh, guess what? Um, here's Sherrod Brown, the senator from Ohio, at a Communist Party meeting. 
in, in, in 2004. He is such and such. So you actually go through the communist publications and you find them. Also, every town has, has a few communists. And when they're old, as they're atheists, they're only, <coughs> they're only posterity of the works they leave behind them. So they'll gather all their papers up and they'll donate them to a library. Membership, because records of meetings. And I go through these meetings. Oh, there's Barack Obama meeting with this communist in Chicago in 2008. Oh, and she just went to Granada to meet with the communist leaders there. Oh, here's, here's, um, here's Hillary Clinton working for a communist party law firm in San Francisco and blah, blah, blah. So you start to find the people and you know the communists, you know the background of the communist organizations, then you just keep finding connections and they just keep rebound. Just, it just, it's you like going hard. down a rabbit hole, you, but they are there. The evidence is not hard to find if you know where to look. But you work hard. Go ahead. Yes. Thank you. And believe me, I'm no communist sympathizer. Oh, but my issue is, last time I heard you speak, you were very much, as I recall, flying the flag of Ukraine. And that was... I still do. Absolutely. You still do. There you go. Yeah. And very much against, you know, Russia. I suspect everyone on your book, or in, in your listed, which I'm looking forward to reading, has all pledged all our you know tax dollars billions and billions of dollars to fighting communist russia i just think that the enemy is i, I don't know how to define it but i, I don't you know i think communist <clears throat> is a you know we always have to have some someone it's the terrorist it's the communist it's this quite frankly i think it's us i think it's a very evil i, I think Quite frankly, America has become the evil empire. That's well, kind see, of this, my this, thing. This is honestly what I think is a classic example of communist propaganda. We've got millions of Americans now who think America is more evil than Russia. Look, they say Russia is a Christian country. Putin's fighting the radical gay agenda. It's family values. 6% of Russians go to church every week. 6%. And they have to go to the Orthodox Church which is controlled by the KGB. The abortion rate in Russia is six times the rate of America. So don't tell me Russia's a Christian country. Ukraine has complete religious liberty. Russia does not. The, uh, Putin, here's an example. You know, a lot of people say, well, Russia, Putin's standing up against the, the World Economic Forum and, and all this. Putin was one of the very first global leaders of Klaus Schwab. He is intimately involved with the World Economic Forum. The tanks in Ukraine, the Russian tanks in Ukraine, are flying hammer and sickle flags. Look it up. The, the Donetsk Republic and Luhansk Republics are people's republics who have Soviet symbology on their flags. They are putting up statues of Lenin all through the conquered republics. In July last, July last year, there was a conference held in, in China, and it was organized by the Chinese Communist Party Youth Wing, and it was to implement Agenda 2030, the UN's Agenda 2030. And all the guests were young communists. The only people who weren't communists were the young members of Vladimir Putin's political party. Vladimir Putin helped to organize this conference. So did Xi Jinping and Klaus Schwab, was the keynote speaker. 
Vladimir Putin also held a conference in Sochi, Russia in 2017, and he invited 30,000 young kids from all over the world. It was held in the same venue they did the Winter Olympics. And these kids, yeah, they treated him like a rock star. He said, the future is yours, go for it. It was a massive event. It was to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution, and every one of these kids was a member of the Young Communist League of some country around the world. These weren't 30,000 Christian kids. Look, uh, look ma'am, I, I know the evil in America, absolutely, but the evil in Russia leaves it for dead. You have Christian Putin using Muslim troops to torture and slaughter and rape Ukrainian Christians and Jews, and you've got millions of Americans cheering Putin on. That is the depth of the Russian propaganda that we are seeing in this country. Well, you no, know, quick the, the most, really I'll just say, the most lied sure. about person in the world now, right now is Vladimir Zelensky, and he's taken over the place of the most lied about person in the world, Donald Trump. And every American conservative should be thinking, well, they lied about us for years. They called us Nazis. They called us evil. They called Trump supporters corrupt. They called us horrible racist people. Well, what are they doing to the people of Ukraine right now? It's exactly the same propaganda. Exactly the same. Ukraine is the only thing standing us. But, and I'm not on the side of Biden. I'm not on the side of Nancy Pelosi. Biden is, is betraying Ukraine right now. He says he's giving them all the stuff. He gives them a little bit. The first, the first shipment of armaments to Ukraine was pistols and pistol ammunition. Like that's going to stop Putin's tanks, right? So he's hanging them out to dry. I support Ukraine 100%. Doesn't mean I support the way Putin is running this, uh, the way Biden is running this, not at all. Okay, well, you mentioned Hollywood. What about sports? The infiltration yeah. within the Super Bowl, for example, and also our new acquisition here, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Kyrie um, Irving, who claims that the white Jews are imposters. And in, which would mean that Jesus is an imposter. Yeah, well, look, look, the biggest subversive influence, I think, in sport right now is Nike. Most of the wokeness in sport comes out of Nike, which, where, does they, where do they make all their money? It's dealing with China, right? That's where they make their money, using cheap Chinese labor to produce their goods. Most of the wokeness we see coming in sports comes through contact with China. China has, you know, the baseball league, they're all, they're, the basketball people, they're all trying to make, get into the Chinese market. So they're taking Chinese dictates. All this ESG stuff is basically inspired by China. You know, they don't apply it in China. They just apply it here because it causes division here. It causes weakness here. It causes dispiritedness here. So absolutely, anybody who takes an E to Black Lives Matter or, you know, all this woke sports stuff, it's basically they are being influenced by the Chinese and they're trying to destroy everything good about America, even sport. The one thing you thought you could just turn on the TV and watch a game yeah. where people were actually trying to beat each other and do well. You can't even enjoy that now. Folks, we are um, we gone past time as we often do. I want to 
do one quick thing in closing, Trevor Loudon. Uh, you've done, made documentary films. You've done Enemies Within, exposing uh, communist influence in America. Enemies Within about the church and all the invasion of the church theologically and, and contorting uh, the church, the Christian church in America, away from following uh, the truth of the Gospels and, and teaching the truth of the Gospels. You're writing about communism in America. You're just doing an enormous good. Uh, and really, what you're uncovering, it is largely unknown to the American people, and it will make all the difference in people understanding where the division is coming, why the country is so divided. Yeah. So I just want to immensely thank you for what you do. And one last thing, this acronym MICE, how is it American officials can get compromised, can get contorted? They may run on thinking, yeah, I'm rah-rah, American flag. You know, I stand for the Declaration and the Constitution and freedom, all that. And they get compromised, and you, you, you have this acronym MICE through money, ideology, compromise in some way, and ego. Mm. And so they get to a position where they may have meant it when they ran, but where they are in some way controlled, yeah. contorted, or unable to act against China and yeah. Russia because of the tactic of the being used against American yeah. politicians. Well, well, you look at someone like Mitch McConnell, the head of the Senate, you wouldn't call Mitch McConnell a communist. And in his early days, he was regarded as a good conservative. Now he's completely compromised by China through money, right? His wife, wife's family has made billions carrying communist Chinese goods around the planet and working for the People's Liberation Army. Now, what does he do? He uses money to shut down MAGA candidates. He uses money to sabotage people who might upset the apple, to upset his little deal. He is a classic example of somebody who's been compromised. See, the Democrats, they get through ideology because many of them are leaning a little bit communist or have been communists at college and university. And so they get them through ideology and money. The Republicans, they get through money and compromise. They might go to a business trip on China. They get caught in bed with somebody they shouldn't be in bed with. They get photographed. You really wouldn't want your wife to see this, would you? You might want to do, be more cooperative with us. That's how Ratcliffe said, you know, the, the Chinese control so many American politicians now, they can determine which legislation passes the Congress and which doesn't. And on that startling and upsetting note, uh, again, Trevor Loudon, thank you for taking time to join us today. I know it was a big trip. I appreciate you coming. Thank you so much. Look, it's never hard. Thank you. Thank you. Look. Thank you. It, it's never hard to get me to Texas. So I love it here. The <laughs> Patriots are great. The food's great. The people love freedom here. It's just, it's any time. Thank you. Thank you so very much. And also our listeners, thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. We're short on time, so I'm going to skip the closing reel and just tell you, thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can we talk truth about America? Can you